Believe in yourself, cause it starts with you And then everyone else will believe you too And if it looks like you're the only believer around Just keep on believing, don't put yourself down Just believe Our guest this week grew up in Cairo and Alexandria, Egypt Came to America at age 20 Earned a BSc in engineering from Alexandria University, Egypt, and an MS and PhD in computer and information science from the University of Pennsylvania. From 1995 to 2020, he held various leadership roles at the University of Bridgeport. Since 2022, he's been the eighth president of Lawrence Technological University. The author of 27 books, let me say that again, 27 books, his name, Dr. Tariq Sob. And I'm Jack Prasula, and this is Anything is Possible on 760 WJR. I'm Jack Prasula, this is Anything is Possible, and we're talking to Dr. Tariq Sob. Since 2022, he's been the eighth president of Lawrence Technological University, 10 Mile and Evergreen. Absolutely. Doctor, yes. welcome and honor to have you. Thank you. It's a pleasure being here. Thank you for hosting me. Can you start by talking about your childhood in Egypt and your mom and your dad, please? Uh, sure. Uh, uh, it's been a wonderful time. I spent uh, the first 10 years of my life as a child in Cairo. Uh, my uh, dad is a civil engineer and uh, has been uh, with the same company for uh, approximately 40 years before he retired as the CEO of that company, second largest construction company in the Middle East. Uh, my mother, a uh, pharmacist, uh, uh, an excellent chemist. Uh, life was good. Uh, attended the British school in the wonderful city of Cairo at the age of uh, 10. Uh, the family, which is the three of us, I don't have any siblings, uh, moved to the wonderful Mediterranean coast city of Alexandria, where I spent the next 10 years of my life, uh, basically uh, uh, attending uh, school. That particular case, it was a school called uh, Victoria College, uh, another British school uh, in Egypt. Uh, wonderful, uh, graduated uh, from that uh, school at the age of uh, actually 16 um, with uh, advanced level graduate uh, cert uh, general certificate of education from the University of London. Started college at the age of 16 uh, at Alexandria University, uh, engineering, uh, which is basically uh, what I was always interested in growing up. Uh, mathematics, engineering, and sciences, uh, stayed there where I graduated in 88 with a bachelor's degree in um, computer science and automatic control. Uh, life was good, and uh, during my uh, uh, undergraduate studies in Alexandria University uh, Engineering, I uh, uh, had the good fortune and opportunity to spend a couple of summers uh, in the U.S., uh, interestingly at the University of Utah in Salt Lake City, uh, where I was uh, doing uh, some research in the computer science department jointly with uh, uh, a professor and uh, graduate students. 
uh, on, uh, believe it or not, artificial intelligence <laughs> at, uh, in 1986 and 1987, uh, because, you know, we, 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 we had family friends who were professors uh, in Salt Lake City at that time, so that was a good place for me to go for that kind of summer internship, which dramatically excited me about uh, continuing on to grad school in the United States, which is what I did. Uh, coming uh, to the University of uh, Pennsylvania for graduate school in 1988. When you came to America at age 20, what were the first few things that struck you that amazed you about America? Mm -hmm. Snow. (laughs) (laughs) Witnessing uh, my very first uh, snowfall, because usually most of my travel... Uh, uh, growing up in Egypt was in the summers, really, and you know, to Europe and or the U.S., but uh, so I've never really seen snow in the winter uh, till I moved to Philly, and I vividly remember that uh, first snow in November of 88, uh, which was fascinating and exciting and remained so for probably a couple of days. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> um, uh, and of course, the second Seriously, the the, the 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 amazing work being done in automation and robotics, and I was a really a robotics and automation and science fiction fan growing up. I was an Isaac Asimov avid reader. Have read every single book <laughs> that was written by uh, by Asimov. You know, uh, growing up, so going to a, into a place where I could actually you know, see the beginnings of that kind of science fiction happening and then studying and working in robotics and with wonderful colleagues and friends developing, you know, artificial intelligent algorithms for uh, robotics applications and manipulators and and things of that sort was, uh, was fascinating because I was uh, growing up reading about that stuff and now I was making it myself in the company of similarly minded colleagues at UPenn. So that was, was pretty exciting. Uh, Egypt, arguably the original home of design and architecture yeah, sure. in the history of the civilization. Talk to us a little bit about Egypt. <laughs> uh, fascinating country. Uh, incredibly multicultural uh, Every entity and every uh, civilization had a piece in Egypt or occupied the country or was involved in the country at some point in history. I grew up, as I mentioned, my formative years, you know, before I moved to the U.S. was in the uh, metropolitan and very diverse city of Alexandria where I grew up having uh, friends and colleagues who were French and Italian and Armenian and uh, Arab and from Africa and from many different places. Uh, amazing hub of culture and a place where education is incredibly highly valued. Uh, growing up with that sense of history and growing up in a city that was so diverse, you know, uh, on the Mediterranean and having friends and colleagues who were either first, second, or third generation uh, uh, Europeans or Middle Easterns. And, and my own school also was really an international school of sorts. So many individuals who attended school with me, I'm talking high school in, in Alexandria, were from so many different countries, uh, was was really a a, a, a part of my DNA growing up, being open to different cultures, different 
ways of thinking and uh, and of course the fact that Alexandria was the home of the famed uh, Library of Alexandria was always an uh, as a backdrop, you know, uh, something that we all grew up with, valuing education and reading immensely. Um, so, you know, it was a pretty good number of years that really helped form my personality and interests in life, I would say. We're talking to Dr. Tariq Sob. When we come back, we're going to ask him about the 25-year chapter at the University of Bridgeport. And I'm Jack Rasool, and this is Anything is Possible on 760 WJR. Welcome back to Anything is Possible. I'm Jack Pasula. We're with Dr. Tariq Sob. From 1995 to 2020, 25 years, he held every leadership role at the University of Bridgeport. Doctor, in the history of baseball, there's only been five times since 1869 that a player has played all nine positions in one game. Only five guys. You're like one of those guys at the University of Bridgeport. You've played every position. Talk about that quarter of a century chapter well i never thought of it this way but uh, <laughs> since you put it that way yeah it's been pretty exciting it's a quarter century and you know in retrospect that was an amazing run uh, i've been blessed uh, i i joined as a, as a professor associate professor in this case uh, with the primary goal of continuing my work that i started as a professor before at the university of utah in salt lake city in the area of robotics uh, connecting with industry in the state of connecticut and within fairfield county you know in sikorsky aircraft united technologies many many different companies uh, trying to build a robotics and automation center uh, that would be helpful to industry and, and academia of course and uh, you know through through that run uh, of 25 years i assumed professor positions i was a a, a, a full professor and then i uh, started the venturing into academic administration so i served as a chair of a department for for a for a little while and then uh, I was recruited for the deanship, actually, of the College of Engineering. And it was quite a switch, you know, for uh, somebody who's been uh, incredibly immersed in research and development and scholarly work and working with industry to, to assume that type of job. And uh, it was a blessing. I, I, I felt that I had the capability of having a broader impact on the lives of so many amazing students and, uh, and companies within that role. And uh, I actually was the Dean of Engineering at Bridgeport for close to 20 years. Uh, I think at the end of my tenure, I was probably the longest serving Dean in the country. That's not a good thing from a career point of view, <laughs> but, but it was. And, um, and, and, and then I assumed uh, other leadership positions with overall responsibility uh, for research as a vice president for research and economic development for a while. And I progressed, you know, as senior vice president. And then I, at the end of my tenure, I was actually the university executive vice president. Uh, so it was kind of interesting because uh, when when I talk with colleagues, I, I tell them I... Uh, 
I had maybe 10 different jobs with the same employer, really, uh, over a span of 25 years. But it was an amazing run. I, at some point, our school, uh, which I'm very proud of, working with incredible colleagues, of course, uh, through that period, was the largest school of engineering in the state um, um, with amazing outcomes in terms of student employment within engineering and computing with wonderful work that we've been doing to help industry within the state and in the region uh, formed an incubator for uh, startups and um, and reinvigorating the entrepreneurship ecosystem uh, within uh, Fairfield County. I think it was actually the very first uh, uh, technology incubator uh, in the county. So anyway, it was uh, quite an exciting run. All right, after a quarter of a century, 2020, you come to Southfield, 10 Mile and Evergreen, Lawrence Tech. Why? Believe it or not, uh, actually, it was the first time in my life that I actually applied for a job. <laughs> Uh, you know, my, my previous positions, you know, in, at the University of Utah and Bridgeport and, and even in industry, I worked in Phillips Research Labs uh, for a while, uh, were all happenstances, you know, uh, you know, individuals in these wonderful institutions, you know, knew my work, invited me uh, to come and visit, and I ended up with job offers that I accepted. But actually, at the end of my tenure at uh, at Bridgeport, I was, uh, and given, you know, our own family situations, uh, kids growing up and moving out and all, we became a little bit more mobile as a family. And uh, I was interested in the university presidency. And, uh, and uh, I was actually rather very interested in particular, given my own background, in a technological university, uh, a university that really embraces technology and ensures that all of its students are very technologically well-trained and savvy in their disciplines. So I was looking for a university that's technologically focused, but also comprehensive doctoral. And believe it or not, uh, <laughs> out of 6,000 universities in the country, uh, there were only 28 universities, less than half percent, that actually were both technological by vision, mission, and name, and also uh, a comprehensive doctoral, offering all the majors all the way from associates to PhD. So I was, and it took me a while to figure these numbers, actually, <laughs> because it was a very concise and comprehensive search. And I was also interested, to be very honest, in, in the leadership of a private university, because, you know, with the pace of change and technology, in every single discipline, it's kind of easy to move and come up with new programming and be agile in a private university. Uh, and out of these 28, there were only 13 universities, one free in the whole country, that satisfied my own criteria of being comprehensive, doctoral, technological, and private. And I remember, you know, uh, my first discussion in 2019 with the uh, you know, the executive academic recruiters, and it's only a couple of them in the country really that hire at that level. When I was mentioning to them, I'd like a presidency in one of these 13 universities, and they laughed really. <laughs> that was a very narrow search. Uh, the job search actually failed, but uh, because there, you know, there were no positions open. But uh, then Karba intervened, and uh, I was blessed and lucky that I was called at the end of 2019 by one of the recruiters, letting me know that the Provost position is open at Lawrence Tech, which is a school that I've, of course, as a technology academician and engineering dean, have followed for many, many years. 
and uh, you know, rest is history. So I, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I, I mentioned that I'm interested, and uh, uh, you know, that actually uh, evolved uh, into the presidency, and uh, it is everything that I expected and more—an incredible institution with. Uh, Wonderful research and development and educational program that focuses on technology in every single discipline, ranging from architecture to design to other fields. And it's been a it's been an amazing uh, three years so far. Lawrence Technological University was formed 1932. The banners when you walk the campus, you see these banners. Be curious, make magic. Paint for us a picture, Doctor, of the 3,000 undergraduate students. And the thousand graduate students, please. Um, it, it, it's an incredibly exciting environment, to be very honest. Uh, we 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 uh, we we are comprehensive. Our our kids in health sciences are uh, trained in areas like cardiovascular perfusion, nursing, physician assistant studies, and others. And they also learn the tech aspects of what. Uh, their discipline in health science entails like robotic surgery and bioinformatics and AI applications in medicine and, uh, and, and diagnosis. Our architects and architectural students learn 3D printing of houses. They learn virtual simulated realities, AI application, architectural design, robotic construction of buildings. Our business students learn data analytics and uh, bio and uh, and and uh, uh, artificial intelligence applications in business and cybersecurity and information technology. So we're very very tech oriented within our fields, and our students are uh, uh, amazingly well served by this education. Ninety five percent of them do co ops or internships. A hundred percent employment. We are the university that enjoys the highest average starting salary of any university, private or public, in the state of Michigan, that number is about $68,000, right off. Say that again? $68,000. The highest starting wage of any university grad Absolutely. in, in Michigan. Absolutely, uh, and and, the, and Michigan is home to amazing and eminent universities, but of course, given the professional, interdisciplinary, technological nature of our majors and programming, uh, we are blessed to enjoy that. My problem in, in, in Lawrence Tech is not to find jobs for my students. My problem is to keep them. Right after the first internship or co-op, they get the job offer, and the companies want to uh, make them you know, finish part-time, which we don't encourage. It's a good problem to have, to be very honest. Uh, it, but on top of all of this eminent technological programming and, and wonderful outcomes, uh, it's a very eclectic campus with 700 athletes and uh, 38 sports. And we just won two national championships last year in women's lacrosse and bowling and uh, thriving uh, sororities, uh, fraternities and club scene. Uh, it, it is truly a wonderful school, gorgeous campus. And uh, and uh, it's it's a blessing to work there, and the community is just amazing. We're talking to Dr. Tariq Sob. If you want to learn more, www.ltu.edu. Ltu.edu. When we come back, we're going to ask him about his professors. And I'm Jack Prasula, and this is Anything Is Possible on 760 WJR.
This is Anything is Possible. I'm your host, Jack Priscilla. We're with Dr. Tariq Sob. For the last two years, he's been the eighth president of Lawrence Technological University. It's been two years. So <laughs> tell us about the professors. Um, incredible professors at Lawrence Tech. Uh, we, we, I mean, we are a medium-sized school. We have about you know, a few hundred full-time professors uh, who are incredible scholars and uh, scientists within their own disciplines. But one of the truly distinguishing characteristics about Lawrence Tech is how immensely immersed our professors are within the practices of their discipline and industry. Uh, Many of our professors, in addition to doing uh, wonderful research, getting grants, getting published, being known worldwide in their areas, work very intimately with companies on developing products and doing research and development. Uh, In addition to our, you know, uh, a few hundred professors, we, on the average, uh, employ every semester three to four hundred adjunct professors, part-timers who come and teach a class, uh, uh, who are industry practitioners. So it is really, truly what our motto and founding principle of theory and practice is about. Our students get taught by world-renowned researchers and at the same time uh, industry practitioners in the top companies in the region, which is the best of both worlds. In addition to the, of course, internships and co-ops, that gets them ready from day one to be productive professional employees, uh, our you know founding pillars, as we always say at Laura's Tech, are the fact that we are very technologically focused, the fact that we are very research and scholarship oriented via the research of the faculty, very interdisciplinary inclined, because any really uh, 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 substantive problem to be solved in this new economy requires the interaction of disciplines, whether it's in the autonomy area or autonomous navigation or cars or electrifications or nanotechnologies or digitization. Uh, We are also very professional. Our students get out with the leadership skills, the team skills, the writing skills, the presentation skills and the industry skills needed. And we are very industry immersed. And, and, And these are really these founding characteristics and, and, and pillars is truly our DNA, Jacques. That, that's why our students get out ready to work from day one, earning these really very high-paying starting average salaries. And that's why our graduates are being sought after. It's a great collaboration between our world-class faculty and also, to be very honest, our staff members who truly help in uh, providing the required environment to enable our professors and students to thrive. We're talking to Dr. Terry Sobe. He's authored 27 books, and he's presented more than 150 keynote speeches. www.ltu.edu. Robotics. Please. <laughs> well, my wife will hate me for saying this. The love of my life, I guess. <laughs> Professionally. Uh well, I, I again, as I, I mentioned to you, Jack, I growing up with Asimov and then having the opportunity to work, to do transformative what I think is work in in the area of robotics and automation is is probably what what I would consider amongst my my major contributions to the economy in general and to humanity. 
I've enjoyed doing wonderful work with incredible colleagues, and by colleagues I mean both students, undergraduate, graduate, and faculty, and industry professionals in every institution that I've worked with, uh, whether it's Phillips Research Laboratories or the University of Utah or the University of Bridgeport, or now, of course, at Lawrence Tech, uh, in areas ranging from, uh, you know, uh, 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 autonomous robotics and, and being able to perform tasks based on sensory data very efficiently uh, to areas relating to the design and uh, implementation and building of robotic devices, whether they are mobile platforms or articulated manipulators or unmanned air vehicles or any permutation thereof. Uh, I've had the, the pleasure of, of doing and, and, and participating with colleagues on developing new platforms for manufacturing applications, reverse engineering applications, inspection applications in, 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 in factories. And I've had the pleasure on working with uh, 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 computer vision and artificial intelligence on uh, areas like the recognition and deciphering of, uh, uh, of scenes, 3D images, uh, LADAR data, and, and others, which provided really the foundation of many commercial applications that we see these days, whether it's in the defense industry or the autonomy industry or the navigation industry uh, or uh, 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 recognition and diagnosis of MRI images and CAT scans and X-rays and MR and, and EEGs and EKGs and such. So it's been uh, quite a ride, you know, uh, helping contributing to the state of the art and industry within within these areas. Uh, believe it or not, I, I was in Phoenix a couple of days ago, and I've had my first autonomous Uber car ride. <laughs> so it was actually, uh, other than, of course, riding in autonomous cars that I've helped design myself with my colleagues, uh, seeing, you know, such technology for the last couple of years being prevalent and, and happening uh, and, and people utilizing it and uh, all that I've been preaching about for the last uh, five years with many of my colleagues about the disappearance of manual labor and, uh, you know, uh, 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 things of that sort and automation being uh, the new paradigm in the 21st century. Seeing it in practice commercially is kind of cool. So, When you, you graciously hosted me at your office, served me this beautiful breakfast a couple of weeks ago, you talked about artificial intelligence, and customized drugs. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, I, I, I think uh, it, it's all about personalized medicine, Jack. So, so you know, when, when we get sick, when, when we have fever, when we have pains, we go and buy, for example, uh, uh, you know, aspirins or, you know, or, or Tylenol or Aleve or, you know, Basically, uh, 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 things that help us feel better. And these things are generic medicines, right? And even the medicine that is prescribed is generic. Generic in the sense that it is given to people who have the same ailment. With personalized medicine, which is really the movement going forward, medicine of the future will be on demand. It will be medicine that you take or get injected that is based on your own DNA and your own physiology as a human being. So there will be uh, uh, a pain medication for Jack that works best for Jack given his physiology and given his DNA and genetics. There will be an anti-inflammation medicine for Tarek that would be 
customized for Tarek that Tarek would order when something happens. And the other piece of this, of course, is basically customized personalized medicine that would actually be time delayed and it would be medicine at the cell level that is customized for addressing ailments at the cell level versus, you know, larger areas in the body that can cause damage to areas that are not afflicted. And and of course, it's all going to be I, at some point, autonomous. So people are going to be, and, and I know this will sound like science fiction, but it's really heading in that direction. Uh, people are going to be scanned and ailments will be found and these ailments uh, uh, will be treated and diagnosis and particular drugs are going to be customized, manufactured, made on the fly to address these ailments based on an individual's person's DNA and or physiology. And and this could be, again, in the form of nanorobotics that flows through the bloodstream, or they could be nanorobotics that would address ailments and dispense particular drugs to treat problems at the cellular level as opposed to a larger area level. Uh, even simple ailments like headaches or pains, you will get the best medicine for you given your physiology that will be the most efficient. So it's a brand new world. And of course, when you couple this with things like robotic surgery, as an example, you can see the full autonomy of scale. So, you know, people are going to be scanned and, you know, things like MRIs, X-rays, CAT scans, blood tests, EEGs, AKGs are going to be performed periodically all the time based on these results and scans. The drugs that would be best for the person will be dispensed nearly autonomously using AI systems that you will have personalized on your phone, and they will come to you and you will take them or they will be injected in you. And then, God forbid, if there is a reason for medical intervention via surgery, that also could be informed, could also happen via robotic platforms that exist now, like the Da Vinci platform, which is being teleoperated with a surgeon in the future that could be actually completely autonomous. It's going to be a brave new world. We're talking to Dr. Tariq Sob, www.ltu.edu. When we come back, we're going to talk about the competition, the war for university students. And I'm Jack Rasul, and this is Anything is Possible on 760 WJR. Jack Krizula, host of WJR's Anything is Possible, the weekly radio visit, brings his 15 years of inspirational storytelling to hardcover. With God, anything is possible. Anything is possible. 15 of Jack's more than 750 tales of defeating odds and achieving the extraordinary. Like Bob Woodruff, whose job covering the war in Iraq nearly cost him his life. And Nick Vujicic, the limbless evangelist who has stunned millions with his message of acceptance and grace. With God, anything is possible. Order now while signed copies are still available at trustinusllc.square.site. That's trustinusllc.square.site. And as Jack says, Make it a great week because with God, anything is possible. Spohol.
I'm Jack Rasula. This is Anything is Possible. And we're talking to a modern-day Isaac Asimov. Dr. Tariq Sob, Dr. The Competition, The War amongst colleges, universities today for good students. I'm not sure about the modern Isaac Asimov <laughs> comment, <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 really it's really tough. I mean, I and 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 I probably shouldn't be saying this, but there are, as I mentioned to you, Jack, there are six thousand universities in the U.S. Our country is the country with the highest concentration of universities or ratio of universities per capita in the world. If you were to really ask me, I think that's 3,000 too many, but that's a very controversial topic that we probably do not want to talk that's about. That's the next now. show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I'll come to that one, but anyway, I mean, here is the, here is the deal. Uh, the bottom line is, it's all about two things. It's about outcomes and value proposition. And also, that's what parents want. That's what students want. They want to make sure they can go to an educational institution that would provide them with the skills forget even the degrees, that enables them to be productive, high-earning, independent professionals who can uh, make a difference in their own lives and their families' lives and their communities' life. And, of course, uh, 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 from their cost point of view, that it is affordable, not prohibitive. And these two things are competing, and these two uh, are two very tough propositions. Uh, the, on, on the other, on the other hand, demographics are declining. You take a look at Michigan and you take a look at the country. You will see that in the last ten years or so, the number of high schools graduates have declined by millions. So we have a shrinking pool of high school graduates. At the same time, there is the public discourse about the value proposition of higher education. And at the same time, people who are interested in going beyond high school education, which is absolutely the right way, of course, to do things because every statistic supports that, they want to make sure they go to the university or the set of universities that have these kind of transformative outcomes that people can actually go for four years and then they would be independent after that. So it's a it's it's a perfect storm. <laughs> Universities have to number one, make sure that they are affordable and number two have to make sure that they are producing the right outcomes in terms of employment, in terms of skills for their students. And at the same time competing for a smaller pool of graduates either at the high school level. In a place like Lawrence Tech, we are blessed because since our founding, we have been all about producing the eminent workforce ready for the future jobs. And by the way, Jack, we don't even know what these future jobs titles are even going to be. We are literally training students for top job titles that don't even exist. Who would have thought there would be a job title called autonomous car engineer, you know, 15 years ago, or virtual reality designer or augmented reality uh, expert or nanotechnologist or a whole bunch of jobs or social media marketer even, right? I mean, these they didn't exist. And if 20 years from now or 15 years from now, I don't know what the job titles would be. So we have to train students with the skills that enables them to be interdisciplinary and are and enables them to lifelong learn because technology and the job and the jobs are changing so rapidly in the upcoming environment ai is everywhere uh, automation is everywhere manual labor is on its way to disappearance so 
We are blessed because it is in our DNA that we are technologically focused, that we're very industry immersed and our outcomes are magnificent. But many other universities cannot say the same and they are struggling because kids are graduating and staying in the basements of their parents for a couple of years before they get employed. And the first job is $30,000, which is not really a, jo- a, a salary conducive to independent, uh, uh, dignified living. Uh, so so that's the thing. I mean, and, and of course, what we're doing is we're, 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 we're even delving as a university into high schools because we want to excite students about technology and STEM and professional education, and we don't want to wait for them to come and start getting educated about these jobs of the future and how amazing the future is going to be after they go to college. So we have this thriving uh, dual enrollment and early middle college programs where we have more than 1,200 students in high schools taking, you know, 100-level LTU classes, coming uh, frequently to the campus during their four years of high school to take, you know, uh, classes, uh, which eases their transition into a very high-tech university like ours and also enables them to understand and their parents that, you know, that eminent university education is possible, affordable, and absolutely worthwhile. So. Dr. Tariq Sob. If you want to learn more, www.ltu.edu. The only constant in life today is change. Sir, you embrace change. You love change. And we're the better for it. Keep up the great, great work. Thank you very much, Jack. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for hosting me. Please join us next week. Until then, I'm Jack Rasula. Thanks for listening and make it a great week because with God, anything is possible. Spawn. Believe in yourself.